Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Well, let's just take a minute and let's just, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to move right, right here. If you speak in tongues, just begin to speak in tongues right now. I just feel the leading of the Holy Spirit on this right now. If you don't speak in tongues, that's okay. Just begin to just say the name of Jesus. Begin to talk to Him. Begin to connect with Him heart to heart. So na ma 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 e, na 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 e, he na ma 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 e, he na 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 e. Just close your eyes and connect with Jesus right now. Oh na ma 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 e, he na 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 e, he na ma 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 e. Come Holy Spirit. We cry out for more of your presence in this place, God. We cry out that your anointing would come. We cry out for your glory. Hey, to invade this place. In the name of Jesus. Pour out. Pour out like a river in this place. Pour out like a river in this place. So coromo sendere barabasia. Wow. Hey, shoto robo. Fire on you in Jesus' name. Whoa. There's a river flowing right here. Hina marabarabaraba shindere barabarabasa. Naremo rebo ringa rabarabarabarabaye. I feel like the Lord says over you, hey, that God has marked you for revival. I don't know anything about you, but I feel like the Lord says over you that you've been marked for revival. And that there's coming a, just a really powerful, whoa, coming a really powerful increase of the Holy Spirit and of the move of the Holy Spirit over your lives. And what you've seen in the past doesn't compare to what you're going to see. Because I feel like it's like God is pouring gasoline on the fire. Hey, and that there's coming a release, whoa, whoa, of more, of the more. You've been asking for the more. You've been asking for the more. In some ways, you've been even asking God, God, is there more than this? There has to be more than this. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I just speak that that fire and that release of the more, hey, would be activated over their lives in the name of Jesus. Soto robo kanda raba In the name of Jesus. So rebo ramose. Hey, in the name of Jesus. Whoa, ha. Come Holy Spirit. Wow. I feel like God wants to heal some people right now. The Lord was just showing me that there was somebody here with, um, with migraines. With, like, you have chronic migraines. The Lord wants to heal that. And also somebody, I don't know, maybe something, maybe it might be the same person, but like with a problem with the jaw, some kind of a popping in the jaw. And the Lord wants to heal that. That's you? Oh, okay, cool. 
you have the jaw thing. All right, so if you have migraines or the popping of the jaw, uh, then just stand up real fast. Just want to release that healing right now in the name of Jesus. Those of you who are around, and just lay hands on them real fast. In the name of Jesus. Is there anybody who has one of those conditions that's not getting prayed for right now? Just fire of God. In the name of Jesus. And I feel like there's also someone here, and you've had like, um, you've been diagnosed with like scoliosis or something like that, that's causing a, it's like your, your back is, it, it's, it's this curvature of the spine somehow. And I feel like the Lord, it may not be a very severe uh, scoliosis, but there's pain associated with it. Is that you? All right. Can some of y'all gather around him and just pray over him right now? Just lay your hand right, have them lay your, their hand right where the, Right where the, the spine is curved. Yeah, just church, this is not a spectator sport. Hey, this is, we all get to play. <laughs> so right now, we release the healing right now. Be healed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And we've also been seeing the Lord uh, heal people of like different kind of, of tumors and growths and things like that. If you've had some kind of growth or some kind of tumor, maybe you know what it is, maybe you don't. Would you just stand to your feet? I feel like the Lord wants to, to heal people of those right now. So it, some of you around them, could you just lay hands on some of the ones that, are, that have had like tumors or growths in their bodies? Those of you who've received prayer, now check the part of your body where there was pain. Do something. If you, your jaw was popping, check and see. Is it still popping? Yeah, like, it's not, hurting right it's not hurting now. Before there was pain? Not today. Not today. All right. Okay. All right. In Jesus' name. Yeah, come on, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Woo! Fire of God. Fire of God. Whoa! Fire in the name of Jesus. Now check your back. Move your back. Just move it around. See if you feel a difference in the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually, what's that? I'm not sure if you feel a difference. All right. Well, just keep moving and testing it out and see what you feel. And if that, if the, those of you that have like some kind of a growth or tumor or something like that in your body, if you can, if it's in a place where you can check it, then check and see if it's dis, uh, uh, dis, diminished. I was thinking in Spanish. <laughs> If it's diminished, if it's, if it's going away, and if not, just keep believing God. He's going to bring healing throughout this time. Hey, in the name of Jesus. We've been seeing God do so many amazing and wonderful things. You know, uh, someone asked me, they're like, it was some people in our ministry, they're like, you know, we don't understand, you, you, you go, you're going nonstop all the time, and you don't get tired. And I was thinking, well, I'm doing what I love. This is, at, this is fun. You know, if ministry is not fun, I mean, yeah, there's going to be difficult times, difficult seasons, but at the core of it, if, if you're not having fun, you're probably doing it wrong. And so it, this is so much fun, what Jesus does. And we just have to learn how to just let this be a wonderful journey and an adventure with Jesus. Healing is fun when Jesus sets people free. We were in... Um, one village in Mexico one time, and there was a, a woman that had a, had a tumor in her stomach. I shared the story last night. She had a tumor in her stomach. It was about the size of like a grapefruit. And uh, we were praying for her, and uh, it, was, it was funny. She was, a, she was a rather large, large woman, 
And, uh, and this is important for the story, and I'll share why in a minute. But she had this, this tumor in her stomach, and rather large lady. And uh, one of this, uh, like a new um, guy, it was his first time ever on a mission trip with us. And so he, he didn't know if he was like ready to pray for the sick himself, so he was like, I'll catch. And so he was catching. Catching can be dangerous sometimes, you know. Uh, so he, was, he was, came up to behind this lady to catch, and I mean, in retrospect, somebody else should have caught her, because she was bigger than he was. He was a short little guy, and, uh, and so the power of God hits this woman, and she goes flying back on top of him, and he's down there on the bottom like, <laughs> he couldn't catch her. She got hit with such force, and you know, and, and, and sometimes in, when people fall, it's like, boom, they just fall, and she fell. And uh, we were, in, it was grass, you know, we were outside, it was a campaign and everything, and so she, he was stuck on the bottom, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and he was stuck down there, and as we prayed for her, she had this tumor, and it disappeared inside of her, completely disappeared out of her body. She got healed, that's actually the reason why we planted a church in that village, was because of her. Uh, God healed her, and then people came up to us afterwards and said, we need this kind of church in this village. But what was really fun... In that, hey, when there's a supernatural atmosphere, uh, thing, supernatural things begin to happen even without the knowledge of the people doing the praying. Because when the power of God hit that woman and she fell on top of my friend, his name is Pokey. Uh, he's, he's from Texas. I, his, what is his real name? Ed, Ed. His nickname is Pokey. His real name is Ed. Power of God hit him, fell on the ground. He, or power of God hit her. He, she fell on top of him. And uh, I didn't. none of us knew this. But he had had an accident with a saw some years back and had damaged a nerve or a tendon or something that uh, he basically didn't have feeling in two to three fingers in, in, in this hand. And so he was not able to feel or, or really move those fingers very well anymore. And he hadn't felt that in those fingers for years. Power of God hit him when he caught her and he got up off the ground and he was like, I can feel. I can feel. At first I was like going to apologize that like, you know, revival's a contact sport. It's not like, you know, <laughs> it's not, I used to be from a conservative church and, you know, it was all, you could dress however you wanted to. In revival, you got to dress knowing you may be on the floor or someone may be on top of you. It's, it's all, part of the, all part of the process. And so when, uh, when she fell on top of him, the power of God hit, hit him and he got completely healed. And God restored his, his, restored his hand and he was able, to this day, he's, his hand is restored. So we're seeing God do incredible things like that. We're seeing an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. There was a woman that came into one of our church services in Reynosa, and uh, we were ministering, and she had uh, been, she was, I think she had been diagnosed with stage four cancer, and uh, they told her she had just months to live. They said the chemo won't help you at this point, and uh, she had just months to live, and she'd been diagnosed with the last stages of breast cancer, and they hadn't caught it in time, and so she had been taking chemo. She'd lost all her hair, everything like that. It was, it was a really difficult situation. And she wasn't a, wasn't a believer yet. Uh, but one of the, my, well, actually one of my neighbors had invited her when he heard we were preaching in this church. He invited her to come and, and be there. So she came to the front. And so uh, we just called up the sick and prayed for people. And as we prayed for her, um, the, and the power of God went through her. She felt like a fire come over her body. And uh, so she left, and she's like, oh, that, that was interesting. These, these Christian churches, they call them the hallelujahs, the Christian churches. We say hallelujah all the time. So they, the, the Catholics will call us hallelujahs. So this Christian evangelical church, she's like, that's interesting. And she had received Christ. Uh, but when she went to the doctor a few days later to have a checkup, they did a scan on her, and then they did a scan again. 
And then they did it again, and finally she's like, what, what's going on? And basically the doctors, uh, all the tumors and all the, every evidence of cancer she'd had was completely removed. She, didn't, she had no evidences, no signs of cancer anymore. And she got healed, and of course, then, then she came back to the church, and she said, okay, I'm ready to be part of this hallelujah stuff. Uh, so when the power of God moves, it's just, it's, it's wonderful, because you don't have to convince anybody. You know, the, the early church, they preached the gospel with signs and wonders, and there was a convincing argument by, because of the move of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we try to preach the gospel without the move of the Holy Spirit, and we say, well, it's just hard ground. No, we need the Holy Spirit to move. And the Holy Spirit is the one who turns hard ground into soft ground that can make, uh, that can yield a harvest. So I want to say to you guys, thank you so much for investing in us. And more than investing in us, thank you for investing in the work of the gospel. Because when you guys, when Pastor Cameron came to us a while back and uh, said that we wanted to, you guys wanted to help with this, it was an answer to prayer. Would you just turn that slide on? I want to show you a little bit of what you guys helped to do. This is one of our baptisms. In, in Uganda, this was a baptism for our newest, well, they're not the newest church anymore, they were the newest church, they're like less than a year old, uh, and they've already exploded, outgrown their building, uh, they have no, I mean, like, it's standing room only, we've got, actually, in that church, we have, uh, the, it's pastored by, by the president of Uganda's plumber, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, the, the guy who pastors this church, I ordained him about, maybe, like two years ago now, and uh, he was part of our, our group, and he is the head plumber for the presidential palace. And so, you know, I guess he sees a side of the government that most of us don't. But so this man, um, he has a really influential position, and uh, God led him to connect with us and, and come in and work as part of a Kaleo, as a Kaleo church. And uh, we ordained him. He didn't have a church at that time, but we, we felt like the Lord said that he would be a, a pastor. So we ordained him as a pastor. We started a church, and uh, now all sorts of government people are coming to this church. I mean, the church is in the slum is the funniest part, and uh, he, it's in the slum, and so you'll come out, and there's like Land Rovers, Mercedes-Benz, all these church, all these uh, government officials, police people that come to that church because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and uh, while we were in that church, we took one of our, our, uh, our missionaries with us, or went with me when, when I went last time, and and he, afterwards, he just said, you know, I understand now why the gospel writers would just say, and Jesus healed them all. Because everybody, like we lost track of the healing. There was one, in that church, there was one man, uh, he had been, uh, the Lord told me there was someone who'd been deaf, was deaf in one ear. And, uh, and that he wasn't a Christian. So I asked, is there someone who's deaf in one ear that is not a Christian yet? So this one man comes up, and he came out of a, um, uh, another religion, and so he came up and uh, we, we said, yeah, can we, can we pray for you? So we laid hands on him and prayed for him. He'd had an injury to his ear when he was a child. He'd been deaf in that ear almost all of his life. And uh, so as we prayed for him, power of God hit him. He had his good ear covered. And uh, all of a sudden he realized after about five minutes he could hear perfectly. And so this is just one example. There's so many people, there's so many other miracles that are happening all the time. And it's just, it's consistent. So people are getting born again, baptized. That was just, that's, that's another one of our churches. They're bur bursting at the seams. That's, that's just one church. And uh, we had a revival meeting with them. We went all night. We had an all-night revival meeting there. And uh, man, it was incredible time of the Holy Spirit. People, bodies laid out everywhere. I mean, they, some of them couldn't even fall. They just kind of fell into each other. 
And so you just sometimes it would be like a domino effect. They just boom, 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 all go down. So we've been seeing an incredible move of the Holy Spirit in East Africa. That's the Bible school building that you guys as a church helped us to build. And that's our first, our first graduating class. And we graduated them. Uh, we've had pastors in that Bible school who used to be cult leaders who would sacrifice, do animal sacrificing in their, in their churches, churches, and, uh, and believed it, they were doing it for the Holy Spirit because they just were, had no concept whatsoever of the Word of God uh, and just were distorted and full of demons. And so we start this Bible school and our first, our first lessons are how to be born again. Uh, pastors, we teach pastors this, how to be born again and deliverance and inner healing. So we've taken them all through the school of fire. Oh my goodness, so many demons come, were coming out of people in the school of fire. We did there, the, the, the leader school is amazing. People got set free. Now we have pastors who've gone out of that Bible school uh, and now have gone on to plant churches now. Uh, some of them left their cultic denominations they were part of before and now they've become, uh, become amazing leaders who are full of the Holy Spirit and full of power. So thank you guys for helping us with this. It was an incredible, incredible miracle what the Lord did. That's inside. We also planted a church there as well. Church is growing. These are just a few miracle testimonies I wanted to share uh, because I think a picture is worth a thousand words, they say. You know, somebody said that, a really yeah. smart person. So the man in the middle, uh, he was a Muslim chief of a village in Uganda and a very high-ranking person, very respected by both Muslims and Christians alike. And uh, he, he had been friends with the, the couple that's on either side of him. He, he had gotten to know them. Of course, he'd, share, they'd heard, he'd heard the gospel from them. Uh, but he would said, I'm not interested yet to follow Christ because I know that means I'll have to let go of a lot of things and a lot of people won't be happy with me if I do. So they said, well, you know, listen, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. Well, a year later, we came back and I was there with them in that village. And the Lord told me there are, people, there are sick people he wants to heal. So anyway, so I asked, you know, uh, is there anyone who's, who's sick? The Lord wants to heal you. He was one of the ones. It turns out he had gone completely numb in one arm. I don't know whether it was a stroke or what it had been, but he was completely numb in one arm and was not able to feel anything in that arm. And so we just laid hands on him and prayed for him. And as we did, he, he starts to cry. And, and African men don't usually cry. Uh, like, they're just, it's, it's a cultural thing. They're pretty stoic. And so, you know, I mean, we've had people blind, deaf, mute, get a heal, and they're like, like, I'm healed. I can see. You know, they just, they don't typically cry. Well, this guy, he just, he got really surprised. He started to cry. And which is, I mean, I thought that's unusual. And, uh, and, I, and I asked him, do you want to receive Jesus? He said, yes. So he said, I want to receive Christ. His arm had then completely healed. Power of God hit him. And, but this is what he shared later with us. He said, um, when y'all laid hands on me, and prayed for me. I'm from the South, so we say y'all. When y'all, that's, I'll translate that for you. So he said, when y'all laid hands on me and prayed for me, power of God, uh, I felt power, the power of God. He, he didn't know to call it the power of God, but he said, I felt this, this electricity, this heat come into my arm and go into my heart, went down my back and into my heart. Hey. And he said, I knew in that moment I was born again. He, he, it's funny because I don't think he really even knew what born again really was, but he said, I knew in that moment I was born again. So we led him through the prayer because, I mean, that, that's what you do. But there is something powerful about when the Holy Spirit himself comes and people get born again. Amen. There, God wants to encounter you with his living fire. The man on, on this side, this is a really fun story as well. That, that guy had had a, uh, he'd had a brain injury. And because of the brain injury, he'd been paralyzed 
for about four years. He'd not been able to walk and not been able to talk. When the power of God, he came to one of our meetings and the power of God touched him. And he got up out of his chair and began to walk. His wife had brought him in a wheelchair, and he got up out of his chair and he began to walk. He'd spent four years unable to speak and unable to walk. He began to talk, and he began to walk because the power of God came on him. This is what God is doing. So this is the, the facility that you guys are helping us buy. It's a, it's a terrible picture because the tree's in the way, but it's a, like a 14-bedroom, uh, like three-story uh, old hotel. It's been abandoned for a while, so we're going to buy it and turn it into a, a missionary training center because the Lord told us out of the Mexican revival is going to come a missionary sending movement out of Mexico. The missionaries have been received in Mexico for many years, but the Lord, I felt like the Lord said it's time for the Mexican church to begin to send out missionaries. So within my lifetime, I believe we're going to send hundreds of missionaries out to the nations. So this is going to be one of our training centers. You guys have helped and you sowed an incredible seed into helping us get this. We, we're still working out some of the legalities on it, but God willing, as soon as we get it, we are going to send a, a video from inside saying it belongs to the ministry now. And hopefully some of you guys are going to come and visit us there. So we, for those of you who didn't know, there was an earthquake as well. And then this, this happened about 30 minutes away from one of our bases. The epicenter of the earthquake was about 30 minutes away. So it affected our, our area tremendously. But we've also been seeing an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. And many people have been receiving Christ uh, because of this earthquake. And so we, uh, we started out like we didn't have any food to give to people. We didn't have anything. And then all of a sudden, God began to supply and he began to bring in uh, convoys of trucks. We're receiving, even right now, I'm getting calls of people that are wanting to send us trucks of food. And even the Mexican government is now working with us to help us get trucks of food down to where people are. And it's amazing what God is doing. So the church now, this is, the really, this is a really cool story as well. God began to lead us to pray Psalm 91 over our churches and over our ministry in Mexico. Didn't know why, but we just began to declare that. And when the earthquake hit, None of our churches fell. There, like 2,000 some odd buildings uh, you know, fell in the, because of that earthquake. None of our churches fell. None of our pastors' homes were, were broken or damaged. None of our missionaries lost their, except one. We had one missionary that lost his home, but it was a rental and it was insured. So, it was, it, so the owner of the house is actually going to probably get to build a better house. And, then, and none of our missionaries lost their home. And none of our church members lost their home, or died. So the power of the Holy Spirit was on the whole thing, even to the point where one of our couple's dishes fell out of their pantry, and they didn't break. Like, it's just, just bizarre, wild stuff like that. And the reason why that's been that way is so that we can preach the gospel. So I, I woke up one morning about two days after the earthquake, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, and he said, you know, revival doesn't always come in the package you expect it to come in. Hey, so I began, and then I, and then I asked the Lord, what do we do? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you're going to distribute 100,000 Bibles, and each one of those will be a salvation. And so we just said, all right, Lord. So we're believing for 100,000 Bibles to distribute. So I just say these things by faith, because I just want you to know kind of where, where our heart is on this. So we just thank you for standing alongside us and standing alongside the, the church in Mexico and, uh, and the move of the Holy Spirit. So I want to share out of the book of Matthew, or I'm sorry, book of Luke. Book of Luke chapter 5. And I, I lost that paper. 
that tells me, ah, no, I lost that paper that tells me when I'm supposed to end. Uh, 20 after, 2025 20, after. 2025 after, okay. I had a, had a, gave me a great paper and I lost it. All right, so in the book of Luke, chapter 5. Book of Luke, chapter 5, it says, and Jesus got, uh, it says, and Jesus, I'll give you the background. I'll paraphrase this. And Jesus was standing alongside the lake of the Gennesaret, and the people were crowding all around him, and they were listening to him, and he was walking along the water's edge. And he came upon Simon Peter, and Simon Peter was there with his boat on the shore, and he was mending his nets. So, let's start here for a minute. So Jesus comes up, and here's Peter, boat parked on the shore. And Jesus asked Peter, he says, Peter, can I enter into your boat? And uh, Peter says, sure, you can come into my boat. Then Jesus tells Peter, now let's put out into the deeper water. Put out a little bit from the shore. You know, this is a picture of where each of our lives are. First, when Jesus first comes to us, we're like Peter on the boat. Our lives are like that boat. We're on the shore. You know, how many of you know boats weren't made to sit on a shore? Boats were not made to be parked. Boats were made to float. They were made for the deep water. You know, they, they say like with, with boats, if you leave them sitting on the shore for too long, it actually begins to break the boat down. The best thing you can do for a boat is put it out a little bit into the water. So Peter's life was also like that boat because Peter wasn't doing what he had been destined for yet. And you know, in that culture... Men that were going to be selected to eventually be rabbis, to be scholars, to be scribes, to be Pharisees, those men would start at a very early age. They would start in the ministry. They would be mentored under a rabbi. They would become disciples of a rabbi. But the rabbis would only select the best of the best because they had to memorize large passages of the Torah. To, be, to become a rabbi, even to this day, you have to memorize the Tanakh and the Torah, and you, you have to know incredible amounts of the Word of God. And Peter, obviously, had never been selected by a rabbi, because he was a fisherman. You know, some, some people believe, I, I, I tend to believe this as well, Peter probably could not read or write. And, uh, and it, that even when he later on wrote the, the books of Peter, uh, he probably had someone dictate it because he probably could not read or write. And because Peter, was, he was just a fisherman. He was a nobody. A nobody from nowhere. And then he meets Jesus. His life was like that boat, parked on a shore, not doing what he was made to be. He was made to be an apostle, but he was, fish, he was making fishing nets. He was made to preach the gospel. But until Jesus came into his boat, his boat was just like that boat on the shore. Doing nothing, accomplishing nothing. Many of our lives are like that boat and we're like Peter. Until Jesus comes into our life. And yeah, we know it in the salvation context. If you've never been born again, I believe some of you are going to get born again today. But let's talk about it in terms of if you're a believer. You already know Jesus. You love Jesus. But you feel like your boat is stuck. You feel like you've never been able to get off the shore and go into the deeper waters. Jesus wants into your boat. He wants to come into your boat. In the, the book of Revelation, when Jesus, was, Jesus himself was speaking to, I forget which one, which one of the churches, but one of the churches, and he said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. You know, he wasn't, we use that as an evangelistic verse. That's not an evangelistic verse. That's to the church. Jesus spoke that to one of the churches. 
So if Jesus had to stand outside of one of his churches and knock, it shows us something. That Jesus is not, he, I mean, hear me out. He's here because he promised he'd be here. But there's sometimes we can, we can build walls that push him out. Out of our lives. We know he's in us. But his manifest tangible presence is not really there to its fullness. And because of that, he's standing at the door. And he's knocking. So Peter is there and Jesus comes up and he says, I want to get into your boat. Peter says, sure, come into my boat. Then he says, now go out to deeper water. Whoa! This is a prophetic thing for each of us. Because it's very simple, but it's also very deep. Why does he take us to deeper water? Because you can't catch the big fish in shallow water. God wants to take you to a place where you can grow in him. You know, they say with, with fish, if you put a, a fish will grow to the size of its environment. You know, this is a scientific thing. This is not, not from the scripture. This is scientific. A fish will grow to the size of its environment. So if you have a goldfish, you've seen those little bitty goldfish? You put them in a goldfish bowl, they never grow much beyond this. Put that same goldfish into a pond, into deep water, into a lake. Those, thing are hu- those things are huge. They, just, they continue to grow up until they die. What's the hindrance? It's not the genetics. They have everything in them. Little, this little goldfish has everything it needs to become this big. What's the problem? It's not in deep water. So now let's talk about spiritual growth in the life of the believer. Why do so many, why are so many believers, their faith is just like this. Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Most of the church has the faith of about a third of a mustard seed because we're not seeing mountains move. If the church really even just had enough faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Jesus talked about in, uh, when, he, when he came to Nazareth, Jesus healed a few sick people. The lack of faith was so great, Jesus could only heal a few sick people. That's honestly where most of the church would be so excited just if Jesus would heal a few sick people. And that's, Nazareth had the least faith of any. So let's talk about this. What's the problem? It's not that you don't already have what you need. You do. You have received everything when you receive Jesus. You have received everything when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's there. What is the problem? It's that many of you, many of us, Until Jesus takes us into deep water, that mustard seed of faith never can become, never can grow to what it's meant to be. You can't grow to what you were created to when you're in the shallow water. It's just like Ezekiel 47, the river of God. There's levels of the river of God for a reason. First up to the ankle, then up to the knees, then up to the waist, then swimming. God takes us into deeper water so that we can grow. Because in the deeper water, you no longer have the comfort of what, you, what is familiar to you. But you step into the deeper water. Hey, and you begin to live by faith. And that is where you catch the big fish. That is where you will begin to be an effective disciple of Jesus. So Peter takes his boat out and he takes it out to deeper water. Then Jesus looks at Peter and says, Throw down your net. Now, I can just imagine the inner turmoil in Peter in that moment. I mean, think, imagine this with me for a minute. Peter, he's been a fisherman all of his life. Peter was probably, uh, one, they, they believe, probably one of the older of the disciples. He's probably one of the oldest. So it meant that he'd been fishing for a while. 
He was the older brother. He'd been fishing for a while. He was the one that had taken over the father's business. And Peter knew fish. He knew the water. So Jesus comes up, a carpenter turned rabbi, a preacher. So the preacher walks up. You know, how many, you just, how many of you just love it when somebody comes up and tells you your job and how you can do it better? And uh, so Peter's there. Jesus walks up to him and says, uh, throw out your nets. And I'm sure Peter was just going, oh, Lord, this is what he's thinking. He didn't vocalize it or it would have been written down. But he, was, he didn't vocalize it, but he, I'm sure he was thinking, Lord, you know how to build tables. And you know the word. You know how to preach. You know how to heal the sick. You know how to raise the dead. But I know fish. If, you, if I say there's no fish, there's no fish. Do you know oftentimes God will offend your mind so he can get to your heart? The move of the Holy Spirit will always be offensive at first. Why? Anything from God will almost always become and seem offensive to you. We don't try to be deliberately offensive in the church, but the message of the gospel is offensive in its very nature. What is it offensive to? It's offensive to the natural mind. The Apostle Paul said the gospel is foolishness to the world. But to those of us who've received it, it becomes a wellspring of life. It becomes life to us. The God will offend your mind. Why? So he can get to your heart. God doesn't work with you on the level of your mind. He works with you at the heart level. And to get to the heart, he has to do something that will offend your mind. All the spiritual gifts are an offense to the mind. But when we operate and allow the Holy Spirit to move, He will then bring an impact into your heart. And I'm not against the mind. I believe in education. We believe in all those things. It's great. But I believe in the mind in its proper place. Under the Holy Spirit. Under the Lordship of Jesus. So, Peter then says, Peter says, Lord, we fished all night and there's nothing here. But because of your word, because of your rhema, there's the revealed word. That's the word he used, rhema. Because of your rhema. Because of your rhema, I'll throw down my nets. You know, at the core, we just had a meeting of all of our leaders last week, and we were just talking about, you know, what, what is at the core of who, who we are? You know, why, why are, I mean, what, what is it that's sustaining the miracles we're seeing? What is it that's going to sustain us? Because as we're growing, I mean, we've grown from basically my wife and I to like 30-something missionaries and, you know, a lot of churches in about 10 different countries. And we've grown, we've exploded in the past, like really in the past about three years, four years. It's just exploded. And we were just discussing like, you know, what's the core values? And we know the Father heart of God. We know all of those things. But we're like, what's the core value that will keep the river flowing in our, in our ministry, in our, in our group of churches? When the Holy Spirit really spoke to us so clearly that the core value that will keep the river flowing is the core value of obedience. You know, obedience is better than sacrifice. We can ha- you can have the greatest revelation, but if you don't have the obedience to put that revelation, to put what you've received in revelation into practice, it becomes nothing more than head knowledge that puffeth up, that puffs up your mind. Obedience is what takes it from this level, brings it to this level, and then manifests it out at this level. Hey, so Peter said, because of your rhema, I'll throw down my nets. 
And I'm sure, I don't know how, it doesn't imply what attitude Peter said it with. But I think Peter eventually got to the right attitude. Actually, no, correct me. I believe Peter didn't have the right attitude at that moment. Maybe a little bit sarcastic, a little sarcastic uh, thing going on. But he's, he did it. He acted in obedience. Threw down the nets. You know the story. The fish come. Boom, and the boats begin to sink. That is the importance of a network. That's revival. This church is going to experience incredible growth, I believe. But you must prepare for incredible growth. When we moved to Mexico, we were praying for revival, revival, revival. God sent us for revival. And then the Holy Spirit asked me, now, now that you're here, what, are you ready for the revival that I want to send? I looked around. I had like 15 leaders with me at the time. I looked around. I'm like, not a one of us are ready for this. We're not ready for revival. We're not prepared for revival. If revival happens, we'll sink. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, build a wineskin to host the wine. And so we began to dedicate ourselves to fasting and to prayer and to preparation for, the, for receiving a harvest. And then things began to grow. They began, we built Bible schools. And then after that, churches started to be planted. It began to grow. Why? Uh, because we had a word from God and then we prepared even when it didn't look like we, we didn't see the fruit yet of the word. Words like a seed. You have to prepare for what you believe, what it's going to be, even though it's not yet what it's going to be. In your lives, you have to prepare. When God gives you a word, and there is a word over this house, that God is going to raise you up as an apostolic church, as a missionary-sending church, Amen. and you'll send out missionaries to the nations. Holy. But it starts with that word, in obedience to the rhema. God wants to use this church to bring in the harvest of souls. And from that place, you are going to see people brought in to the kingdom of God. But where does it start? obedience to the rhema, obedience to the word of God. Jesus was the Logos word. And when the Logos speaks the rhema, when Jesus speaks the word to you, that's what activates growth in your life. But it won't happen if your boat's parked on the shore. And it won't happen if you're in the shallow water. And it won't happen while your net is in the boat. So what do you do? You listen to the Holy Spirit. And when he says, throw out your net, even if it defies all logic, do it again. Do it again. It starts and ends with obedience. Then And I'll close with this. And then Peter said, Lord, away from me because I'm a sinful man. Peter started repenting of his, his attitude he had. And he said, away from me, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, Peter, from now on, you're going to fish for men. This is going to be a church that will be a church that will become fishers of men. Do you want the signs and wonders and miracles? None of that is unique to me. It's all just completely normal in the kingdom of God. And every one of these miracles and signs and wonders, you can have too. But it's so simple. It just starts with an act of obedience and walking with Him. And then letting His power manifest.